Well, today we're beginning a new message series which I've entitled The Way of Love. The Way of Love. Now, what is love? Oftentimes, we think of love as a feeling. And you fall into love because you have feelings for a person and you fall out of love because you no longer have those feelings for a person. The Bible, however, speaks of love not as a feeling, but as a choice, as a commitment, a faithful commitment. Love refers either to a relationship between two people or to a relationship between a person and God. We can love another person, we can love God. Now, oftentimes we use the word love rather indiscriminately, right? We say, I love pizza, I love chocolate, I love my pet dog. Yeah, I know what you mean, but it's not the same, is it, really? Uh, it's, it's more of a like, and so we kind of dilute the real meaning of, meaning of love. It's not really love from a biblical perspective. So this morning we're going to start by looking at some of the things that Jesus taught us about love. Now, the verses are going to come up on your screen. They're also in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It also has an outline of the message there. You can follow along. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, a lot of people say or, or have said or do say that they love Jesus, but Jesus is saying if that is really true, if you really do love me, then I'm going to see the fruit of your actions. Other people are going to see the fruit of that love by your actions, by keeping my commandments. And so our love for Jesus is demonstrated or has the fruit of obedience to the things he instructs us. If we have a lack of obedience, if someone says they love Jesus but doesn't obey, then there is an issue there. And so the keeping of Jesus' commandments, is a, it's a choice. It's a commitment. It's not simply a feeling. A lot of people, I, you know, I have this warm feeling towards Jesus. Well, that's good and well. But if it's truly love, if that commitment is there, we're going to follow him. Jesus said in Matthew 22... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so in these few verses, Jesus is summarizing the teaching, the entire Old Testament, which he refers to as the law and the prophets. He can summarize that with two Commandments. Now, how many instructions are in the Old Testament? I mean, there's hundreds of instructions. He's saying, I can wrap it all up. I can summarize it with these two commandments. The first is to love God with everything that we have. And the second is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, when we think of the Old Testament commandments, what do we think of? Well, in my mind, we think of first and foremost the, the, the Ten Commandments, right? There's ten Commandments that were given to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. They consist of instructions of things we are to do and things we are not to do with regard to God and people. And Jesus is saying that those commandments are really all about love. They're about the way of love, the way we're supposed to live out love towards God, first and foremost, and secondly, to the people around us. The rest of the Old Testament instructions or commands are really expansions on the Ten Commandments. How do they apply in different aspects of, in situations of people's lives? But it's all about love. 
And so in this new message series, The Way of Love, we're going to look at some of God's instructions or commands. We're going to see how they are really the way of love, love for God, and love for other people. Now today, I've entitled the message, Value Life. Today is uh, recognized around the world, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. It's a Sunday in which, once a year, we celebrate God's gift of life. We commemorate many lives that have been lost to abortion. We commit ourselves to protecting human life at every stage. And so God's word is clear. Commandment 6 of the Ten Commandments instructs us in Exodus 20, verse 13. It says, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. Now many, well some translations render the Hebrew as you shall not kill. Uh, sometimes it's a little difficult to translate the Hebrew into one single word. The Hebrew word for kill or murder here means unlawful killing of any kind, of, you know, of a human being. Uh, it's killing of a human and it's unlawful killing. Now, why do we have to make that distinction? Well, because there was lawful killing in the Old Testament, right? They, Jesus commanded, uh, for example, the killing of enemy soldiers in war. That's not murder. That's not prohibited by the Sixth Commandment. Uh, that is lawful killing. And we're going to talk about the use of capital punishment. That's lawful killing by appropriate authorities. Killing in self-defense uh, is not murder either. So all other unlawful killing is prohibited by God. Why, why is it important not to kill other people? I mean, we all know instinctively that it's wrong. God's put that in our hearts, in our conscience. But why is that so? Well, people are made in God's image. God said in Genesis 9, verse 5 and 6, he said, And your lifeblood, I will require, and for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And so in these verses, we, we see that God places great value on human life by setting a great penalty. If blood is shed, if a person is killed, then the penalty is capital punishment for murder, for breaking the sixth commandment. Even an animal who kills a person must be put to death, according to these verses. Now, in the Old Testament, we're not going to talk about all the laws there. There are lesser penalties for accidental killing, uh, and just as we have in laws today. And so the reason given for this command, the reason given for the punishment, is that people are made in God's image. We see that at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. People were created in the image of God. What does that mean? Well, people were created first and foremost by God. God created us. And we reflect God. We are, let's be careful how I say it, other than saying we are in God's image. But we have emotions. We have intellect. We can think. There's all kinds of things that are reflections of God. Now, we are not divine, but we are reflections of God himself. And so, People being made in God's image by attacking someone or killing someone made in God's image. In effect, it's an attack on God himself who created each and every person, who loves 
each and every person. And so God created people in his image. They have great value and they must be protected. Now, today we have a great debate when, you know, what is a person? When does a human being come into existence? Well, the Bible is clear on this. Well, human life begins at conception. Psalm 139, 13 says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. And so this verse and many others, a number of them are listed in your study guide, which is on the back of your outline in the... In the uh, in your bulletin, they show that God creates and acknowledges human life as it's still being formed in a mother's womb. Now today, we know scientifically, when does a unique human being exist? Well, it's at conception. At the point of conception, the fertilized egg contains the unique DNA blueprint that defines that person for life, a unique blueprint that is Carried by no other person. It happens at conception. From conception onward, that unique human life grows, it matures, and after nine months, uh, the baby is born. Today, we have the scientific advance of ultrasounds. We can see the little baby inside the mother's womb as never before in the history of the world. We can see the little fingers. We can see it sucking its thumb and doing all kinds of things, clapping his hands and whatever is going on, we can see that tiny baby developing from the very earliest of stages. And so we, of all people in the history of the world, understand that that life is growing and developing. It's not just a blob in there. It is a baby. And so the baby in the womb is just as much a human life as, as the baby in the crib. And so we must not tolerate murder according to God's word as believers. Now, primarily we're going to talk about uh, abortion this morning, valuing life in the womb, but there are other forms of murder today. Uh, one thing leads to another. Uh, physician-assisted suicide uh, is, <clears throat> is really murder. It's the taking of a human life. Uh, it's a biblical, uh, biblically unlawful form of killing that God prohibits. Obviously, suicide is murder, killing of oneself, self-murder prohibited uh, by the Word of God. Now, we have to acknowledge that end-of-life issues are very complex these days uh, because of all the medical advances. And it's one thing to allow death to take its course without artificially prolonging the dying process. That's not prohibited by God's word. We need God's wisdom uh, in end-of-life decisions to, to uh, follow his way. The main violation of the Sixth Commandment today is the worldwide epidemic of abortion. In 2019, abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide, with at least 42 million babies aborted. And that number is probably low, because a number of countries do not report what is going on there. Abortion is the leading cause of death in the United States. Two-thirds of the women having abortions say they are Christians. So there's something wrong with that. And so we need to accept the truth of God's word that abortion is the taking of an innocent life. And what can we do about it? Well, it's 
God's word says that we have a duty to protect the innocent. Leviticus 19.16 says, do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. And so we must not do anything that puts someone's life in danger, whether a child, whether an adult, or an unborn baby. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But we must seek to, to rescue those who are in danger of losing their lives. Proverbs 24 says, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we do not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his works? And so as believers, if you're a believer here this morning... We are responsible not just to avoid killing of all forms, but to rescue those who are in danger of losing their lives, to do what we can to prevent murder. Abortion is done in secret. There are no funerals for the deceased. It's easy to forget about the Holocaust that is going on. The Nazi death camps and the Holocaust in World War II killed 11 million people. And it's worldwide acknowledged that was a terrible thing, and it certainly was. And yet in the U.S. alone, since Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 61 million babies have been aborted just in our country alone. Sometimes people say this is just one of many issues, but I believe it's really one of the most important issues of our generation, and we must do what we can to rescue those in danger. What, what can we do? Well, we can speak out for life. Proverbs 31 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And so we need to speak out for life in every way that we can. Obviously, the unborn infants cannot speak for themselves. The mothers considering abortion are overwhelmed oftentimes with their pregnancy. 90% of abortions in America today are obtained by single mothers. They feel they have nowhere to turn. They don't know how they're going to take care of this child. Uh, and we can offer support for those mothers and their babies so they can either keep the babies or give them up for adoptions. And so as believers, we must learn new ways to protect the innocent. As a church, the last few years, we've been supporting a pro-life organization called Thrive St. Louis. It offers help to pregnant women who are considering abortions. And uh, they help the women while they're still pregnant. And after they have the baby, they help the women in many practical ways. And I want to thank all of you who have been involved in the past years in our engagement with, with Thrive. Uh, we do a, a multitude of things. We give the gifts at Christmas for the children. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the meals that we serve to them on a regular basis uh, to help the mothers. Uh, but I'd just like us to watch a video. Uh, <clears throat> they've rescued literally thousands of babies over the years. Thrive St. Louis and the organization is now going nationwide, establishing uh, centers all across the United States. But I'd like us to watch a video about just one young mother whose life was touched by, by Thrive St. Louis, which we support, and how she chose to have her baby and how uh, that baby was born 
And, and she gave her heart to the Lord as, as well. It's about a woman named Cinnamon. So let's watch her story. A powerful story that's repeated thousands of times over here, right? In St. Louis over the years. And one of the ways that you can help, uh, along with, with uh, those that have already helped before, is uh, to help with every... Um, What is it? Fifth Thursday of the month, which is about once a quarter, we go to help thrive and we um, help serve a meal to the mothers and their children. And uh, that's before they have a class that are teaching them how to parent their children or to get ready for that. And so we've been doing that, uh, providing meals and, and uh, helping serve the meals uh, with thrive and also uh, helping watch the children as the mothers are in class. And so we encourage you to get involved with us. There's uh, another, there's a fifth Thursday this month coming up in, not this Thursday, but the next Thursday. So we encourage you to uh, sign up on the ministry table if you have questions. Uh, talk to my wife, Carol, about it. And, uh, and that's one way, one way of many ways that we can get involved and help uh, these moms uh, go through a difficult time in their lives, but uh, you can see the blessing that comes uh, as they follow God's way through that. We must also work through the political process to reduce abortion as much as possible, work towards it one day being completely illegal in the United States. Overall, abortion is declining. The rate and the numbers are going down year after year. Praise God for that. Here in Missouri, through the efforts of Thrive St. Louis and other pro-life organizations and pro-life lawmakers in our capital, all abortion clinics in Missouri are now closed with the exception of one. There's only one left uh, in St. Louis. I mean, that's the only one in the entire state is in, in downtown St. Louis. Various laws have recently been passed in Missouri restricting abortion. Uh, reducing it, and so in 2019, just last year, the number of abortions in Missouri was decreased by 50% uh, from what they were in 2018. And so we continue to work uh, to eliminate abortion in our state. And uh, if we do eliminate all the clinics in our state, it will be the first state in the whole United States to not have a single clinic. Important way uh, to speak out is when we have an opportunity to vote, to vote for pro-life politicians, for pro-life legislation. Again, some people argue abortion is only one of many issues. Why should we be so concerned about it? And then I asked them the question, you know, what is more important than the murder of unborn innocent children, really? What is more important than that? I don't think there is anything. So vote pro-life, encourage others to do it. Talk to people about the issue. Uh, today, the, basically, pro-abortion is 60%, pro-life is 40%, somewhere around. So half of the people you meet um, need to hear about the truth. And uh, it's really not sufficient to say, you know, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I'm not going to stop anybody else from doing it. You know, do we say that about, I'm personally against murder, I'm not going to kill anybody, but if you want to do it, go ahead. You know, we don't say that. And so the same thing with abortion, we, we need to do what we can to protect the innocent 
and promote righteousness. Leviticus 22, there's really nothing new under the sun. So say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel who gives any of his children to Molech shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. So what's this talking about? Well, in Old Testament times, people would sacrifice their children to an idol called Molech. And the way they did it, there was a fire inside of the idol. Was a was a carved image made out of some type of metal, and there was a fire in it, and they would place their children on the arms of the idol, and they would burn them to death. That's how they sacrificed the children. Why did they sacrifice their children to the idol? Well, because they believed that the idol would give them the things that they wanted or asked for. They sacrificed to the idol. They expected something from the idol in return. In many ways, it's the same today. Why do people seek an abortion? Because they think it's going to help them financially, emotionally, career-wise, or other ways. Uh, in fact, if they can't take care of the baby, there's always adoption. But yet, that isn't given as an option for many people. And so these reasons are misguided today, just as the reasons for people sacrificing thousands of years ago to this idol called Molech. And so we promote righteousness by helping people to understand blessing comes from following God's way of love. Love for the mothers, love for the unborn children. Showing love for God by loving people, including the unborn children. And as we do that, we help deter evil. Numbers 35-33 says, You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land. And no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. And so this verse instructs us that when there's murder of any kind, it's we're talking about bloodshed, it pollutes or defiles the land. Bloodshed brings a, a curse on the land. It invites further evil. Roe v. Wade in 1973 legalized Amer uh, abortions in America. And I think you know as as well as I, that our nation has become further polluted by evil in many ways since the 1970s. I don't think I need to go over all the ways that we have declined morally since that watershed decision in many ways that we'd never seen before in our country. Now in this verse, it tells us to bring swift justice, in this case for, for murder of... Uh, for, for cases of murder, capital punishment for the murder and the pollution of the land can be reversed, evil deterred. Now, I'm certainly not advocating capital punishment for women who've had an abortion. They, they usually believe there's no way out. They really don't know what they're doing. Uh, that is not, a, that is not a, certainly a law that I would support. But the point here is that the taking of innocent life has ramifications far beyond that life. It impacts the entire land. It impacts the entire nation. It just doesn't impact that one solitary life. It impacts all of us. So we must work to promote righteousness in our land. In America, approximately one in every four women has had an abortion. But the good news is that God forgives. He forgives all sins. The sin of murder, the sin of abortion. I believe that when a, when a woman repents of having an abortion and receives forgiveness, the blood of Jesus atones for that sin 
And I believe Jesus' blood is sufficient to cleanse the pollution of the land. That happens when there is a murder of a human being. Another way to promote righteousness is simply to encourage marriage rather than living together before marriage. 90% of abortions, again, are had by women who are single, who are unmarried. And as we promote marriage, we are going to reduce the number of abortions as well. So in 2020, we are privileged to live in the state of, state of Missouri. Actually, it's on the way to becoming the first state with no abortion clinic operating with an extremely low level of abortions. I think it's, it's only between now 1 and 2,000 uh, a year, which is very, very low. I believe, depending on the outcome of the next presidential election, abortion may again be illegal in America in the near future. And that's what we need to work for. And so on this Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, I'd encourage each of us to make a commitment to valuing life at every stage, unborn, throughout life, even at the end of life. Each baby has been created by God. They have a purpose. They have a plan for their lives. May we pray and do our part to rescue as many as we can. The most important thing for each one of us is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He gives us the strength to live out our lives, to love God and to love people. To become a believer, we need to admit that we've sinned. No matter what we've done, whether it's a big sin or perhaps we think it's not so big, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody is exempt. We need to admit that we've sinned. We repent. We turn away from that sin. We believe that Jesus died on the cross that we might be forgiven. We ask him to forgive us. And we commit our lives to him as our Savior and Lord. And so if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ before. Or perhaps you've done in the past. You feel like you've wandered away. I'd encourage you to pray along with me. We're going to pray a simple prayer which will be the most important prayer of your life if you've never prayed it before. So let's bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Just pray along with me. You can pray in your mind. God knows your thoughts. God knows the intent of your heart. I encourage you to pray something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. Things I knew were wrong. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, lived a perfect life, paid the price for my sin to be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe you rose from the dead and that you're alive today. And I commit my life to serving you as my Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, today we we thank you for creating us in your image. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you love each and every person, born and unborn. Help us to value the lives of people around us as you do. Help us to show your love to each and every person. Forgive our nation, God, for the millions of babies that have been aborted over the past years. We repent of this horrific sin, God. And we commit ourselves to doing our part 
to seeking to abolish it in our lifetimes. Show us what we can do to help others value life. Help us to find ways to help mothers with these unplanned pregnancies to keep their babies gone. Give us divine opportunities to share the truth of the value of life to, to those around us who do not yet understand. Even though today we have the wherewithal to see those little babies that we've never had before. We pray, God, that more and more people would come to understand the truth of the value of human life. Help more and more people to vote according to biblical pro-life principles. We ask for healing for our land, God. Bring repentance for our sin and revival of your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.